You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for another Australian Survivor recap episode. And obviously, you're seeing this one right now and thinking, wait a minute, didn't you advertise that Tara Pitt was coming on this show? And yes, we did. But some scheduling conflicts came about and we were unable to secure a time with Tara this week. So we are hoping to get her on next week or the week after. She will be on the show at some point this season, so do stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we have done a recap with everybody's favourite Oslet, Mr. Cable Brandon. I'm going to shut up and hand over to myself right now as we go over and recap this week's episodes of Australian Survivor. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you once again for another recap episode of Australian Survivor Season 6. We've uh, had another three interesting episodes this week, episodes 15, 16, and 17. Three people have left the game. Three men have left the game. It's a very sexist week in Survivor, isn't it? And joining me to recap the last three episodes of the show is the runner-up... Oh, wait, no, she's not here this week. Um, it's the runner-up of the Oslets. Uh, Cable Branton is here as a last-minute fill-in, uh, as unfortunately our Tara Pitt uh, interview will have to wait another week or so. Cable, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you. I think I was the second-best Oslet at one point, maybe, or... Uh, uh, I don't know. Did you ever get nominated maybe... for an Oscar for best Oslet, or did you never uh... make the top five? <laughs> No, I would have made the top five for sure. I think <laughs> Noah used to go all right in those sort of things. I don't. I think actually, were you only new when we introduced that category, and you weren't eligible in your first year or something? Oh, I can't remember what we did with those, but um, I, I cannot remember. Yes. Well, you're now officially the runner-up of Oslets because. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, now you said in the inter- you said in the interesting three episodes. I actually thought, well, there's still a few little issues there. Editing-wise or maybe production-wise. Are we the only people that bag out Survivor Australia? Because I I don't listen to other Australian Survivor episodes, but I don't know if we're... uh, Uh, No? No, I did listen to a podcast this morning where there was a bit of criticism on a particular uh, scene that was edited in such a way to... I wouldn't say be misleading, but uh, emphasise the three women banding together when clearly there was a man... sort of just off screen being part of that conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, no, but I, I actually really enjoyed the way I was really entertained. Um, again, something I said in, I can't remember whether it was with you or in another podcast. Um, I, again, I felt like I was just edging my seat. Oh no, please not Luke. Or, you know, there was those moments where you sort of got a bit nervous at tribal, like what's going to happen. I don't want to lose this person. I want this person to stay. Or I want this blind side to happen. So, I was. I definitely was entertained. It's, yeah. I think when you lose a couple of big names out there, it's you got got entertainment. And I think kind of you lose Sean and David back to back. It's it's very someone del sir, isn't it? It's very much like you're losing Jeremy and Josh straight away, like we did in that, where you've kind of got these two big dogs that have been out there and getting a lot of this screen time and dominating a lot of this, you know. Um, I'm not going to say quite on the same strategy and entertainment level as Samuel Del Sir, one of the most underrated seasons of the US Survivor, I think. But um, No, I've always hated it, but anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, God, Sean and David and John, like, let's not forget John, our three men that we've lost this week. Uh, I think probably the big one um is hallelujah praise jeebus that david is gone <laughs> it's like just, oh, 
couldn't stand the guy. Um, but are you satisfied with the three that we've lost? Are you are you disappointed? What are your thoughts on our three main men that we've lost? Um, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. Like I'm not in the same camp as you. I feel like I'm sure there's people out there that couldn't stand David as well, like yourself. But I feel like in the social media bubble that we sometimes live in, I feel like a lot of people loved him or wanted him to stay around or just recognised that he was great television and just entertaining for the show that they wanted him around. So I think David is a big loss. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I feel like there was times that I really believed he was really arrogant and cocky. But then there was other times where I felt like he was playing up for the camera and just having fun with it and just being over the top. So, um, But I can understand how that can uh, grate on people. Um, you know, there's players like that in, in previous Survivor seasons that I haven't liked because of that very fact that they, you know, power hungry and they go on and on about it and tell you what's going to happen. And it's always great when they get blindsided and don't see it coming. Remind it, it takes me all the way back to Mark Cases and John Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. D- difference is, is well, is there a difference? Well, I think there is a difference. Um, but I see exactly what you're saying. I think my biggest thing with David is just I, I generally like the arrogant, cocky player, but I, I, I don't know if it's just an Australian survivor thing because there was a lot last year with Benji as well where it's just it just becomes so repetitive because they basically play a confessional over and over again that says the same thing. And then I think, you know, David is a much better player than Benji. I think David actually had strategy and gameplay, whereas the edit tried to show that Benji had that, and really, what did he do? Um, but I don't know. There's just... I'm just so indifferent on the way David played this game, mixed with his edits and everything along those lines, because, you know, it just it just gets to a point where you overshow a player so much that you kind of are almost forced to believe their own hype, so that when we get a moment that we have this week, you're meant to be like, oh my god, blindside, wow, how epic is Survivor? And at the end of the day, let's be honest, Channel 10 all but told us that David was going home uh, yep. with the promo after Sean's episode and then spending, you know, 49 minutes or whatever Monday night's episode was showing us the most obvious edit that somebody was going home that I think I might have ever seen in the history of watching Survivor in 20 years. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I just, again, this comes back to the whole, the way uh, reality television, or maybe television in general is advertised to get more eyeballs on screens and make sure people stay with a particular show. They advertise the hell of it. I understand that. But just for us hardcore Survivor fans, and, and trust me, I'm sure Andy would be agreeing with us as well, that the way they advertise Australian Survivor is, while sometimes they give you a kind of a slight red herring or misleading, you know, maybe the boot's a little bit different, but they tell you how epic the tribal's going to be and it's going to be a huge blindside and, uh, and, and like you said, there's sometimes those ads that you know, well, it's either going to be Sean or it's going to be David. You just know that by even the whole, oh, are you team David or are you team Sean? Like, you know, well, one of them's going home. Like, that's a reality. And, and yeah, I just think they they telegraph the, the results too much and that irks me, but I, I, I guess that's the world that we live in. And I understand they've got to make money and, and get people to be watching the show and talking about it. 
Um, I know. Look, I, at the end of the day, as always, it's a television show. That's, that's what we're watching. But I think you and I were having a bit of a conversation off air, which I think is kind of relevant just in the way we're talking about it, is the fact that Australian Survivor does tend to have a bit of an identity crisis in the fact that it's got to cater to Australian audiences and Australian reality audiences are very used to a extended format of their shows, you know, almost nightly when it comes to things like My Kitchen Rules, The Block, you know, and I think that all started back in the days of Big Brother, kind of how spoiled for choice we were with it. So Channel 10 has to cater to that audience. But then you've also got Survivor fans who also expect a certain way of watching it and everything along those lines too. I'm sure Channel 10 are very much aware that this is extremely popular outside of Australia, you know, particularly North America with, you know, big Survivor fans over there. So they've kind of got to find that middle ground and, you know, admittedly they they do find it every now and then. Like I feel like, yes, I'm always a negative Nelly when it comes to talking about the way they put this show out there and it can't be perfect all the time, but... There are just little cracks like this week with that. And, you know, like, yeah, it's great to see a, a blind side, a, the fall of somebody like David and everything along those lines. But The golden god. The, the golden god. But you don't need to have a promo after you lose Sean saying, oh, the biggest blind side. Like, it's because at the end of the day, it's not hard to deduce who that's going to be. It really isn't, and that's the issue. I actually almost thought some of their promos were doing quite well this season because they actually had a lot of them where it was kind of just, here's a voice of a person like, oh, I'm in trouble, oh, I need to do this, and they didn't really give anything away. So there's definitely been a few promos this season which I think they've actually improved on. But when all of a sudden you go for the jugular like that, it's like, wow, you know who's going home that night. Absolutely. I think, um, and going back to sort of just a backtrack on David, I feel like there's been a lot of talk. And you said he wasn't, were you saying he wasn't a great player or he was an okay player? Like look, his he, actual game play? Uh, look, it, this is where because I, you go, you finish I think your thing. He, yeah, because yeah, it was more when you were talking, but the more I was thinking about it this morning, because like, I feel like a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's such a shame. You know, David was a good player. He wasn't perfect, but he maybe got... The power went to his head, blah, blah, blah. But the more I thought about it, yeah, look, Survivor's a hard game. Trust me. I, I know I, I've never played, but I know how intense it would be, you know, lack of sleep, you know, you're getting ir- irritable because you're not eating. Look, I get all that, and you're not going to be always 100% mentally sharp and ready to go. Um, and you're not going to – no one play. like, let's be honest, even some of the winners, they don't, not everyone plays a perfect game and a bit of luck's involved. The thing with David is I think he was playing hard, so I think people are confusing that with because he did a couple of good things. And to get where he was, I think in, at the end of the day, he's done an amazing effort to just get where he was. But at the end of the day, if, he, if he's such a good player, he would have gone close to getting to the end or have good relationships enough that he would never have been blindsided. And that's why I feel like, that overconfidence, that arrogance, and the fact that he thought he had the girls. But do you know, know, especially in his downfall episode or the lead-up to him going home, do you notice every time he went to talk strategy, he wasn't inviting people to have a conversation and discussion. Mm -hmm. He was telling people what to do. That's not a good survivor player. Agree. And and that's what I think. People can go on how good he was, and in, in a lot of facets of the game, he was fantastic. But at the end of the day... He was his own worst enemy because he talked down to people. He told them what to do. He didn't at least like – I remember hearing a, a conversation with Tyson once. And 
I agree with how Tyson did. Tyson wanted to be in control, similar to what David was. But Tyson, instead of telling people who who we should be voting for, he asked who, and he sort of pointed them or pushed them in that way or manipulated them to way, but at least made them made them think they were making the choice instead of him telling them who they were voting for. Whereas David did none of that. David just went straight up to the girls. This is what we're doing. Went straight up to you know all the all the different people. Even when he went on the reward with Abby and John. Once he started talking strategy, he's telling them what we're doing. Who's got to go home? It's got to be Daisy next. It's got to be this. Are we all on board, guys? You know, have a conversation. Let everyone have their say. Try and get your point across if you really want. Obviously, if you want, but you've got to. There's a way of doing. It. I, I sort of think that's where he, he, it all fell apart for him. He, and, and the other thing was no one trusted him. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think kind of, I think David falls into that. Henry Benji basket where it's all very flashy on the outside of how they're shown and they're kind of portrayed to be playing an amazing game. But if you actually get down to the nuts and bolts of it, what are they actually doing that's so amazing about their gameplay? Now, I will say David is a much better player than both Henry and Benji because I think David actually achieved some things and actually made moves and made relationships that helped him get to his level. Whereas I think Henry made one of the dumbest, maybe the dumbest move in the history of not only Australian Survivor, but all of a Survivor. And Benji just was so overrated and overplayed on the edit that he just he didn't do anything of he was he was called out within five seconds of one movie does everyone was after him and he got like a bunch of string of luck that strung him along a little bit better. David got a great bit of luck and as you said, a lot of people you need to have luck. Survivor is a lot about luck. We've talked about this a lot, but like looking at I think David's key moves and kind of you look at. Okay, him and Luke went to a tribe with only two people versus seven. Great, and he survived. Fantastic. But again, as we've said a couple of times already in the last few weeks, that was Daisy. Daisy came to him and worked throughout. Now, David maintained relationships. David was able to help sort of get some of the champions on side and sway, you know, get work with Luke, form those relationships, break the um, the athletes' alliance early on. You know, I'm not I'm not here to say that David didn't make moves and didn't play well. I think David did do some, but I think you're absolutely right. I think at the end of the day, if you're telling people what to do, asking, there's a key issue. You've also got to look at someone like, look at him versus Andy, okay? Now, Andy overplayed things as a fan. Sure, we can sit here and say that. But Andy was willing to move with the flow when things went against him. He was willing to go to David and Luke and try to work with them. Did we ever see David go to Sean and try to work with Sean? No, we didn't see that. You know, I think Survivor's about adapting to your surroundings and and trying to get there to make it deep in the game. Sure, you can be in control, but there's a level of being in control and flaunting it, and there's a level of being in control and being able to maintain a level of normality. Now, you think of think of someone like Boston Rob. I know you're a big Boston Rob fan, and I think kind of Boston Rob is a is a very showy player. Mainly in the confessionals, though, you don't see a lot of that showmanship out there on on the field and with other players. He's still able to talk to people and everything along those lines. Heidek is a, you know, I'm going to bring him up, of course. No one in Thailand knew how he was playing that game. He was so on board with everybody and was able to talk to them and everything. Yet in confessionals, he's being an arrogant cock, which is great. 
Like, that's, I think, a big thing with David, too, that he wasn't backwards in coming forwards with him being so, I'm in control and everything. In tribal councils, he would just say things that just was, like, too overboard. He was being targeted early on from people knowing that he was a player. Yet you look at someone like Harry, who has similarities to some of what David's doing, but he's doing it on a much calmer level... And Harry's only had a bit of a target on his back early on when he was before the merge, and now no one's even looking at him as a threat. So that was a very long-winded response to what you were talking about. But I, the point is, I agree with you. I think that David had some moves. I think he played decently to get to that point where he's at, but there was no way that was going to be maintained towards the end of this game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I feel like... Look, I don't want to totally pick apart his game because I think he did some good, really good things, but I think some the de- the seeds of doubt were planted early on with the girls too, with the whole him having the idol. And I thought he had something really good with Janine going. He had something really good with Abby going. He's got a good relationship with Luke. I actually thought for a while that he was going to be the guy that would almost get to the end purely because... He had almost like a you know final two deal with a few people, or at least had tight relationships with so many different people that they would bring him along and they would tell him enough stuff. So he had information, which you know, uh, information is power. Um, but he just misplayed a couple of times, and like the whole switcheroo with uh, Sean with that fake idol, and then when Sean was brought over for the reward and the conversations they were having, and then. You know, the lies he's a bit like, very much like Andy. Like, Andy got caught up in his lies towards the end and no one trusted him, and that's why he went out. And the same thing happened with David. Like, at the end of the day, like, there's one thing to flip on, on your tribe, mate, if you think they're a threat. And I, I, absolutely, everyone knew David was a threat. But I think the overriding factor for everyone that voted for him on the night was at the end of the day, we don't, we're not super tight with you anymore, and we don't trust you. You're a snake. Mm-hmm. And, I mean that says a lot too to me. I was like, well, it's not, it's not a, oh, sorry, mate, we just took you out because you're a threat to win. It's more, well, we don't trust you either. I think, it's, so, and it's 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 kind of like the Andy situation, even the David situation. Because I mean, I don't know if David really talked too much about being a fan or not, but I, I know he said in his um, final words that he kind of said like, oh, I was playing up to a bit of a character, which okay, fair enough, like. He's a model, like, he's used to attention. He's going out there having a bit of fun with it. I, I can respect that. That's why I sort of, I, I turned around to someone like Zach, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, because, you know, he's playing up to that character. And I, I appreciate that. People know what they're doing out there. And then you look at, like, Andy, who's this big, huge super fan, and he's coming out and saying bold statements about, I'm going to be invited on the US or wins, things like that. Now, I don't know if you've, you watch both the New Zealand Survivor seasons or not, um... I just finished watching the second season, um, and I don't know. Have you seen it? Am I going to spoil it if I say who won it? Or uh, the second season of New Zealand Survivor? Yes. Uh, I'm I'm probably a couple of episodes from the end, but I yeah I was sport on the winner. Oh, so, so you know the winner, you know. so I can say the, yes. Okay, and to anybody right now, who, starts with L. Start, yes, it does. Uh, to anybody who's yes. listening who hasn't seen it, like uh, skip for because this was the only season I caught up on in the last couple of months that I had not been spoiled on, so I remained unspoiled the whole time. It was great. So Lisa wins that season. Well, I actually, <laughs> oh shit! Oh, <laughs> no, I thought you meant it was no, no. no I'm just kidding. So oh. don't tell me anything else. Are you just going to talk about Lisa? Or? Yeah, I'm just going to talk about Lisa. The, the yeah, because I, I don't know who got there to the end with her. I just know she no, won no. it. Yeah, so I, I won't mention anything else. But the reason I bring this up in the context of this conversation 
is that Lisa is just the biggest super fan on this season. She's just she talks yeah. so much about how much she loves absolutely. It, and I think kind of it's maybe a bit hard to compare them because I think the second season of New Zealand Survivor suffered a lot strategically and kind of New Zealanders play it very differently. But I think what Lisa did well with her win is that she maintained that level of fandom, talked a lot about what she wanted to do. Oh, it's my resume to win this and do this and do that and kind of got all giddy and excited and let the moment get to her on some occasions. But she was able to reel that in, make some pretty good strategic moves, and then by the end of it, sell a game well enough to win the game. And I think kind of in this era of Survivor where we always have so many super fans on a season, like, oh, it's my dream, I watched this as a kid. Like, exactly the same cable as if you and I got on the show. We're going to be saying exactly the same things. I think if you can reel that in and do a Lisa and not do an Andy, you can you can win it or you can at least go far. I just I think some people can just get a bit blinded by that spectacle, don't you? Like, oh my god, I'm a survivor. I've got to do this. I've, I have to pull a blindside. I have to do this. Like, that's not what Survivor's all about. It's not, but I think I think it's the problem with the format. To be honest, it's so long that I think we see Nick, who's a super fan goes out too early or get you know just gets so you know fired up and wants to find an idol wants to do this then people don't trust him AK same thing straight off the bat you know he's he's smart enough he, he he's so into the game that he's looking for an idol he's looking for a clue he's talking to everyone he's putting, and then people don't trust him because it's like it's too early to talk about the game and I, I think that's where I kind of kind of hate the strange survival a little bit because we haven't found that right uh, i don't know just the right time to start like because apparently you're not supposed to talk about game till the merge almost like but players that are willing to come and there are so big super fans they think they they kind of play and andrew torrens was pretty much the same craig from season one um there's a lot of people like that that came to play and were playing the american version of survivor in the Australian version, which is brand new, brand new, I guess, in a way, like a reboot, which was longer, but also also playing against people that were doing the whole mateship thing and also people that hadn't seen the game before and didn't understand it as well as they did. And that's where, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I, I, it, and that's where when, when, when you come to rank these players too, which we might have to do on, though. Um, <laughs> it, it's really hard to even rank the players because... I think we had AK in our rank pretty high, and and, and oh, actually Phoebe's another one. You know, came to play hard, but you know, it doesn't even make the merge because you know you got twenty four players, and you know, it's such a long game. I don't know. Which I've is kind of gone off on it. I've gone off on a tangent, but I, I yeah, I don't know. I kind of oh, I, I, that's why I'm still a bit. I'm a, a very love hate relationship with the show. Like I love it because we've finally got Australian Survivor. There's definitely aspects of the show I really love. But then I want to see some of those dynamic players be able to play from the start and not have a target on their back because they're playing the game. Like, anyway. But I think, I, yeah, look, and again, it's tangents, it's welcome to the Oz Network. But, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, after now four seasons of the Channel 10 reboot, I still don't think we've had that groundbreaking player who realistically is what we were hoping to see. I, I, I stand by our rankings from last year that our, our top two were season one players. 
Um, I think David Oldfield actually ended up making it at fourth, didn't he? Not third, so Jericho got to third. But look, the fact that basically half of our top ten um, were from the first two seasons, which you know, again, it just it it it's a shame that so many people just completely ignore those two seasons because you know it just it's just not on the same level of gameplay to even remotely have that conversation about the greatest Australian survivor player of all time. It, it, it is Rob Dixon. It is, it is Rob Dixon and it is Katie gold as the top two by a country mile. Um, so it's frustrating, uh, particularly with all this talk of an all-star season happening, but at the same time we're watching it, we're seeing it. Um, people will adapt, you know, the longer this game goes on, um, and look, you know, Cable, it's going to take you and I to get on the show to, um, <laughs> show these people what to do. Come on. <laughs> show these damn people. But, you know, let's be uh, honest, the amount yeah. of time we rip shit into the way this show's edited, we're not getting on anytime soon. So, <laughs> hello, yeah. Channel 10. Um, well, do you want to, no, we won't bag the edit until the end. I think I've got one thing that I, I was really. No, nah, bring it up now. We're on the topic. Go for it. Go on. Um, so. I, going into this week, I was like, don't talk about the editing, don't talk about the editing, don't talk about the editing. And I was hoping to, again, um, another podcast, like I, I touched on before, brought up the point of there was a shot um, where obviously the camera was on Janine, Abby and Peter discussing the upcoming vote or splitting the votes or whatever it was. At the time, I, I sort of, I sort of half picked up on it, but not really, and I didn't really think about it too much. And but then I did see it on social media as well. But a, another podcast did pick this up that the producers or the editors were trying to make it seem like it was the three girls really tight and making the decision as the three as the three women. When there was, a, you can faintly hear a male's voice, or you can sort of see. It. And so it was either Harry or Simon Black that was off screen that wasn't being shown to sort of make it seem it was a bit more just the three girls when, in fact, um, there was definitely a, a fourth person or a male person there. Um, that was something that got brought up. But the one thing that annoyed, really annoyed me, and you brought it up in a podcast a couple of weeks ago as well, which is what I will refer to and something I only found out about in The Edge of Extinction when Josh Wiggler said it with uh, on Rob Had a, uh, Rob Has a Podcast or The Wiggle Room or whatever show it's on. He said um, about... Um, a thing they called the Frankenbite, which I didn't, I, I sort of heard the term, but didn't really know what that was. And it's obviously, and you, I'm sure you know what it is, Ben, but it's when they get obviously a clip of somebody and they cut it together so well that um, mm-hmm. a play, whatever a player has said, it's literally what they have said, but they splice all the wording and the different word and make, totally take out of context what they've said or they've just changed you know, what they've said to suit the storyline they want to say. And we very much saw that. And the reason I bring that up, because uh, it was done to Kelly Wentworth last season where they really made a scene uh, or something she said and the way they cut it together seemed a lot worse than what she was implying. And then we actually, there was actually a secret scene where it actually came out, The whole that whole scene was played out. And so what we saw in the episode was actually, while she did say it, it was changed around enough to give a different emphasis and a different context to what she actually had really said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you brought up the fact that, you know, I think Harry had a confession where 
he's talking and you can see him, he's in a beach and he's in his ice cream shirt, but then they'll cut away back to camp and then when you, while the yeah. confessionals are going, then it goes back to him and he's in a completely different part of the beach and he's in his different outfit and he's got less facial hair. So it was something he said earlier in the yeah. in the season. And, and I, I picked that up and I know that has happened in previous seasons, but not like that. And they did again with... Uh, was it the last episode? I, they they maybe actually cable do it a lot more than like it's every episode. Yeah, they, they don't even hide yeah. it. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but they did it with they did it with PR the other night, and I'm like, oh my god, that is fucking terrible. It's it's actually bad, and it's because it it's pretty much showing. Oh, we'll, we'll just cut anything together to get a coherent sentence. We want to to emphasize a certain point. It's like, well, hang on, why don't you just hide it a little bit? They had PR at one point in a tree. Then they had P, which was clearly earlier in the game, and then P in another position. So all three different positions on the beach or wherever they were, different locations, and all, all three different outfits, and then intersplice with her at camp and 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 you know vision of her and Janine and you know whatever she was, um, you know I guess in the confessional talking about. Why can't they have just had that one shot of her and then just play audio right across the top? Yeah. So you're not seeing her in different. I, that's the one thing I don't understand. I'm not again. I'm not really gifted in these day, this day and age with all the technology they got now, but I'm sure they could have just taken the audio, played the one shot of her in the tree, the good shot where she clearly was what she was saying at the time, and then anything else that they, they really want to frankenbite, just do the audio over her at camp or something because having her in three different outfits in three different positions on the beach with different looks like one was taken on day three, the other one was day 12, and the, the real one was day 33 or whatever it is. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. that's taking the piss. And I, I agree Is completely. it not? No, I absolutely agree. And I think that Australian survivors never shied away from doing that. I think kind of it's it's so frequent when you watch an episode the way they edit confessionals, and it, it is, it's beyond ridiculous. And I think kind of like, I mean, my day job as a, as a newspaper journalist, if I'm putting a quote in a story... And I understand there's definitely moments where kind of you've got a snippet from one section of the quote and then they've said something down the bottom of the quote and those two moments fit together better than what they've said in the middle. But what we do is you kind of, you can do that, but you put an ellipsis in between it to signify that you're taking two quotes and putting them together without combining them to make it sound out of context, if that makes sense. So there's, yeah. a, there's a methodology to doing that in writing a newspaper article. Now, I understand editing's different when it comes to television, and as you said, kind of, it's happened in the past and it will happen again. It, 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 it's entertainment for television purposes. I mean, I think kind of... We've had plenty of examples of that with guests on this show talk about, you know, over the years that this has been said, but it's been taken out of the thing. But I just think it's it's a different beast to when, say, yeah, as you said, you're dubbing it over the top as narration mixed with his peer sitting in a tree, his peer sitting on a beach. Like, it's just it's just jarring, and it's just it's it's beyond obvious. So, again, the, the argument is it's a television show. They've got to form a narrative of that episode of what they're trying to say. I get it. But at the same time, it's just, 
you've got so much more to play with with 25 episodes and like i just don't get why you need to recycle footage when we could be just telling something remember i remember when we first talked about australian survivor coming back back in 2016 or 2015 when they first announced it and we were talking about like oh if they do a format like if it's you know a couple of nights a week like it's going to be great because you're going to be able to show so much thing of character building and all this sort of stuff and things that never materialized cable like just (laughs) never did like how does borneo australian outback africa or any of those earlier seasons get us to fall in love with these contestants and characters on 42 minute 15 episode seasons more so than we do on 25 episode an hour and a half episodes it's it's ridiculous yeah it's uh maybe we should move on <laughs> yes well, let's go cool. before we're, my head explodes it was taken half an hour bagging it out but um we've talked david's game sean um that all really came down to an interesting quote at Tribal because um, it, it honestly seemed like they'd gotten enough numbers. It looked like Luke was in trouble. But Janine sort of coming out and defending, you know, them voting out Sean. That one quote where Sean said, uh, when Janine's like, we can get Luke out at any time, but tonight's the night to get Sean. Now, that to me is such a dumb thing to say. Because, okay, you can get Luke out any night. You can get Sean out any night. It's the same argument. Anyone can win immunity at any point. I think Sean defended himself really well there when he said, like, Mm. I'm not going to win, like, ten immunities in a row. Like, are you stupid? Like, Luke went and won immunity the next night. So, to me, that was, like, backed up Janine's stupid thing that she said. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying, but I I think the thing they probably weren't saying was... While, yeah, I guess why that that's seen in that context seemed pretty du- a dumb statement to make because who's going to go on an immunity run like that? But I think, to be honest, I don't think Luke's a challenge beast, even though he has won one and he's done one pretty well in another. I think Sean definitely was more of a threat, but also at the end of the day, he's a number for that team. The cham- the champions, I think, were just beating around the bush that they want to keep their five or six. And they want to whittle down the contenders. So, you know, Luke's in their camp and a champion. So, um, yeah, Sean's, I guess, the enemy. So, um, I guess that's uh, that was the way it was going to go. But I, I want to know from you, there's something I'd sort of half forgotten about and then it's just come back to me now. Did you find, and I know Julian spoke about this and I'll, I'll probably speak about it on our, on my po- or our podcast, me and Julian, um, the whole, uh, you're going straight to tribal, but you can discuss it on the way, which is really weird. Um, cause I th- think what well, well, you and me know, and I don't know if our audience know this, but generally they don't walk to tribal these days. They normally are transported and they're not allowed to speak to each other. So I thought that was a weird thing for Jonathan to say, uh, oh, you can discuss it on the way to tribal. Like, how does that going to fucking work? And then there was this. Really elaborate setup of three bonfires and they could walk in <laughs> oh. between and 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 that did feel very forced to me. Very and I know a lot so. of people a lot of people have bagged it. And I I just thought it was a bit weird because it's like clearly that was a beach that was maybe close to the challenge and then maybe the tribal's not far away, but it just seemed I was just walking in between and grouping up and then discussing it and it's like, well, you're not really walking a tribal, you're not really on the way. It's just like this is this forced 
camp that's been set up to be cinematic and I don't know. I, I think yeah. Jono worded it wrong. I think, yeah, I, I definitely picked up on the you can talk about it on the way to tribal. I think, like, I just think he's worded that wrong and they've just kept that in there because I think that they've gone and deliberately set this up for them to have that conversation. Um, a couple of things of that. I think that why, and this is one thing that I never understand at certain points of this game, is that why wouldn't, like, David or any of these people who are kind of gunning for Sean and want this to happen, why wouldn't you shadow people? Why, why do you let people go off and talk to even possibly let Luke be brought up as a vote, if you know what I mean, particularly if they've got these things just set up so obviously. It's not like when you're at the beach, and I'm sure you can definitely come up with excuses like, I'm going to get firewood, or I'm going to do this. Like It's easy to run around and talk that way. But here, where they've quite clearly set up a bonfire next to each other, just like, I would, if I'm David, I'm just like, cool, I'm going to go to this bonfire. Oh, wait, you're going over there? I'm going to come with you. Yeah, like, and just play up to it. And I think the thing, the missed opportunity here is that they've done in the US Survivor before... Why do they give them the opportunity to talk? Isn't that more entertaining to say, we're going straight to tribal, and guess what? You can't talk about strategy. Like, I love that twist. Like, what was that? Cook Islands, we had that, and some other seasons. They've done it more than once, I think, from memory, where it's just kind of like, we're going straight to tribal. You don't have a chance to talk about it. Like, that, to me, is a twist that I'm on board with. It's entertaining. So why didn't they just do that? I... When I saw the darkness of the challenge, you know, towards the end, I thought that might have been the case. But, you know, maybe they sort of thought, well, we we want some strategy talk. We want an opportunity for the contenders to maybe flip the game over. I don't know. Can I... I also want to ask a question just on that challenge. Uh, And I don't know if I'm, I'm just not reading into this challenge enough, but... Is that challenge where you're holding onto the bar and you're losing your breath and, you know, they, they talk this up as the most difficult challenge. Is it really that hard? To me, that's not that hard. Ben, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm, that's what I want to actually ask a legitimate question. Am I just being dumb for saying that? Because, like... Yeah, like, I think you're pretty... That's a pretty dumb statement. <laughs> I've said a lot on the show over oh, the years. But why, I... like, why though? Like, I, I, would, I would hate that tower that they play every five minutes more so than... You know, you're holding on to a bar. The water's going over your mouth a little bit. Cool. Eventually, you're going to run out of breath. How's how hard's that? Yeah, but it's, there's a lot of factors to it. I mean, the one thing I feel sorry for them it was like a cold part of the day, so the water was freezing. Um, so there was that the cold factor. Um, I think when you've got your head there and the water's lapping over you, even if you've got your eyes closed, it's because your ears as well under sort of can your equilibrium so can sort of be a bit bit off and then you're sort of I guess you're sort of somewhat trapped under that, that bar a little bit. So there's that uh, what's that word? Um, claustrophobia. Yeah, claustrophobia, yeah. So there's there's all these little bits and pieces that go into that challenge that, you know, like you said, like you might not be affected by any of it. And clearly David and Sean weren't overly affected by a lot of it and were able to mentally push through or, or put it to the side, whereas um, other people, you know, might have been able to do it, but the water was too cold and they were shivering too much or whatever. So um, I think I think they liked doing those challenges too because what the guys did really well was they, you know, uh, Sean was creating this, the snorkel effect and then, 
David, what what did he have like a a, a break or something across his nose, whatever? But you imagine you're under there, and and then all of a sudden you you can't see the water coming in, and then the water comes over you, and then you've got to try and hopefully get uh, the water to drop down, and you can breathe it back out, and then hope it doesn't come back in again. I don't know. I just it's. I'd like to think I would do pretty well in that challenge. I think I'm I'm an okay water person in that regard, but I, I think that's a difficult challenge, and I can understand okay. understand why a lot of people struggle with it. I think when, when was the first time we ever saw that? Was that Palau that we saw that? Oh. I think maybe J- Janu went out first yeah. and was sent to exile. That the was first the very first exile island. Yeah, no, I think you're right. A fair point. Look, I'm I'm I'm. You know, I think you made a good point there where it affects some people differently than others. Like, as I said, I'm probably going to shit myself on top of that tower and, you know, not going to jump yeah. and things like that. Whereas other people, they don't give a shit. They're just going to jump down into it, you know, boom. That's not going to affect them. So it's maybe one of those ones, yeah, to me, I'm going to be like a David or a Sean. To me, I don't think that that challenge would affect me personally, and I think I would do fine in that. But I did find that, that challenge interesting. And look, I know Survivor's not always 100% fair, obviously, but... I find it interesting that that challenge too can also depend a little bit on your face shape. If you've got a mm-hmm. certain, a, like a long face, like like I felt like David and Sean were able to sort of put their head through the bars a little bit more, so they yeah. had a little bit more elevation. And I'm not saying that's why they won, but then there was other people. Again, maybe they weren't trying, but felt like some other people's faces they couldn't go up as high to get that extra room to breathe. And that's the other thing that's I find maybe that challenge is like, is there a way they can, I don't know, tweak a little bit to sort of, I don't know, because everyone's got a different face shape and that, and there'd be some people that would be able to breathe easier or, or you know, stick their head out higher enough to, you know, do a bit better in that challenge. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Um, I- it's just... Um, yeah, I mean, look, again, I, I say that now and I'll probably end up on the show one day and then I'll probably be first out and then people will play this back and laugh at me. But um, the one thing actually just kind of moving on slightly, have we set a record? I'd love somebody listening to this to fact check this for me, actually. Um, for the most consecutive vote outs by a single gender in a row? I mean, I mean, I technically Ross wasn't a vote out. He was evacuated, but six men have gone now in a row. Um, I've just quickly scrolled through the Australian Survivor, so I don't think it's ever happened on Australian Survivor. Have we ever had six men eliminated in a row in the US Survivor before? Oh, off the top of my head, probably. Um, maybe one world. one world. I was going to say Vanuatu? one, one yeah. world one, I mean, sort of close, but... Uh, I just, I would love somebody to fact check that for me because I think that's fascinating that we've lost six men in a row. And I think early on it looked like all the women were going because didn't we only have like... Obviously, before these six men went, I think we only had four women left. We still only got four women left, but, um, you know, we're basically almost half and half now. So, um, it's it's very fascinating. Anything to add on Sean, I think, before we kind of, you know, move on to something else? Just because, I, I, you know, I feel like we don't get a chance to kind of eulogize these players as they got voted out. I, I, I was sad to see Sean go. Um, I was I was not really. I was just on the fence. thought, oh, it'd be cool if he upset the apple cart. I think he... Unfortunately, like I understand exactly why he wasn't on the David bandwagon. He, you know, he felt like he got dotted with that idol. But um, I don't know. I think the fact that he didn't check the idol straight away that was really bizarre to me. That that wasn't something he checked. Like I understand finding the right time to check it without being caught and all that sort of stuff. 
But I felt like that was maybe mistake number one. He took too long to actually verify and be realise it was a fake. But also, it's hard to know because Abby and Janine kind of told him it was a fake as well, or they didn't believe it to be real. So he'd been given intel, and then he checked it. I'm like, why aren't you, why aren't you just having a look at it? I'd be super excited to be just seeing it, like, and saying, oh, my God, i got an idol. I have a confessional. So I thought that was unusual. And then once that happened, I think he was so focused on David, which, again, I understand, but sometimes for your own good, you just got to put that on the back burner and just worry about cleaning up other messes or, or sort get like getting your other ducks in a row and, and not worry necessarily about your, your enemy. If that makes sense, like Mm -hmm. get, like get your other stuff sorted, get everyone else on board. Maybe look at, I don't know, something, just something else. Like have a a plan B. Don't be so focused on the one person. Yeah. So, and and having said all that, I think he probably should have tried harder to actually work with David early, mm. and maybe not let David know if it was a fake idol. Like I think he got to a point where he's like, I'm sick of pretending this was a real idol, and I don't know. Maybe he sort of I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things he could have done, but I think unfortunately his his and a few contenders have gone home recently. I think that whole um, all those shenanigans that stems back to uh, the group deciding to keep David and Luke around in the first place and cut a few of their guys loose. Mm. I think that's that's where their downfalls downfalls happen. So just quickly, um, I you were right. One world. We had six men go oh, in a row in go. one world. Okay. Uh, Colton Jonas, Michael, Jay, Leaf, and Troyzan all went in a row. So uh, so five and a half men. Five. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, new sitcom Sorry, <laughs> coming to CBS. Um, uh, <laughs> Jesus. I thought Julian was the one who usually put his foot in it. You're doing well. Oh, um, oh okay. <laughs> I was going to ask about John next. Um, everyone's favourite palmy-loving, mulleted man. Um Talked up as a big character beforehand. D- did he live up to that character, Cable? Uh, somewhat, but when it comes to being a Survivor player, absolutely not. No yeah. way, Jose. Uh, and I don't, I don't like saying that because I think I'm sure he's a like he would be a great bloke to go and have a have a beer with and a palmer with, but he he just came to the game and I, I don't know I don't know his background or I can't remember you know how much Survivor he's seen how much of a fan he is but I feel like he came to play but he just didn't really play he I don't know whether he was still trying to do the float, float under the radar be a good team player go hard in the challenges you know sort of have a good alliance and sort of maybe start to play towards end but we spoke about this quickly off air, but the only time he really started to play and talk strategy was when he was at tribal and he was about to go home and he was kind of having a go at Janine and talking about, oh, if you're four and five, why don't you flip? You know, because you're still four and five in that five, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, it's a bit late to be talking strategy with the champions now. Like, 
we saw no strategy talk for him, from him, I don't think, ever in the game. I think any time he was there when there was strategy being had, he was a listener, he was involved in that he would agree and go, yep, yep, that sounds like a good plan or whatever, but he was never talking like, oh, what do, what do you think about this or why don't we throw a vote here or what? There was nothing coming from him strategic at all. So we might lose a great character, but we don't lose a great survivor player. Smart move, though, from the champions to, to vote him out, I think, because obviously they knew Daisy had the idol. Um, they were talking up Harry's oh, being threat. That, how so, funny was that scene? How funny yeah. was that scene? Hilarious. Um, and I think it's a whole other topic of conversation about how idols seemingly so easy to play. But um, I think... Well, you just go around. The, you just go around the uh, drinking well, and uh, <laughs> you'll find it. I'm sure unless, there's a good chance we'll get one, unless you're Simon Black uh, and you don't see it. But um, I think yeah. I just I just think that's a very clever move, though, from this Champions Alliance to you know pile the votes onto John because at the end of the day they want Daisy gone and they want Harry gone, but you know clearly she's going to play the idol for herself or Harry, and and no inkling that John was going to go home. So. Smart move there by the Champions Alliance. Yeah, but would she have really played it for Harry, though? I don't think she would have. I think she would have had she really felt 100% that he was going to go, but... Yeah, or, yeah. if they got the intel that he, he was going to go, maybe. But I think, but I, I, think, I, I think they just... Champions had too much up their sleeve to play, I think, kind of even... Obviously, if she'd have played up Harry, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because, again, as I said, I think it was just the smart move from them to put them all on John, and, you know, it's either going to be John or Baden, I think, kind of to do that, uh, and they're not going to do it with Baden, because Baden's kind of playing this nice little game where he's giving himself a bit of a sniff, kind of going back to what we were talking about, about what David didn't do. You know, he didn't simulate himself or do this with other players. He just kind of assumed that he was in control, so he didn't need to work with other people. Baden, on the other hand... He's kind of just quietly going about his business. I don't think Baden can win, but at least he's trying to get inroads into other alliances, and he'll probably be the last remaining contender left if it continues on this path. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I don't know, I, but there's a part of me. I always actually thought I was sort of happy Daisy played the idol for herself because I think it was hers. And at the end of the day, how dumb would she feel if she didn't play it for herself and she was the one that went out? But surely you got to think that they they weren't going to risk putting votes on Daisy because they know how, I think Janimo said it, that she's emotional. She'll probably play it for herself. Or maybe Pia said that. So shouldn't Daisy have preempted that they're not going to put votes on her? So it's going to have to be Harry or John or even Baden? Maybe she did. Uh, I mean, she kind of... I don't know. Like, I think Janine's gone to something there. Like, I, I love Daisy. I think Daisy's had some good moves here and there, but I do also agree with her. I think kind of Daisy maybe lacks that emotional stability to fully play. A, you know what I mean? Like, she's had two idols and straight away she's played them straight away. So, um, you know, I don't see this long game from Daisy, but... Um, I don't know, there, there could have been that attempt, but we saw it kind of with the um, the night before, didn't we, where they, they were sort of implying that Daisy was about to spill the beans um, about the vote, uh, that kind of it was all going to go under. So, um, you know, I think kind of maybe we're just not seeing that enough in the edit, that Daisy's just got this ability to 
you know, shoot a mouth more so than we actually see. So that's why she probably wasn't capable of forcing someone's hand to get those votes onto someone else, if you know what I mean. Mm. Which, yeah. you know. I mean, it would have been a great, it would have been great, like, I think, kind of very entertaining if she it had worked and, boom, she plays it for John and then, you know, Abby goes home. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't, it didn't really play out that way. I think kind of just quickly looking, though, at who who's left in the game, um, to me, Pia is still in this box seat to win this game. Um, I think she, just the edit she's getting, I think kind of the way she's playing, they're starting to show some good little moves from her. Janine, Janine's just frustrating to watch to me just because I think one minute she's doing well, then she just doesn't, and I just just can't. Janine's screaming runner-up to me. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm kind of thinking of Pia Janine Final 2 right about now. But then there's Simon. I I think Simon could be doing a Lee here. Like, Lee was getting more airtime, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a Pia Simon Final 2 and... Simon's not going to win, but I don't know. Simon's just there. I, I, who's going to vote Simon out? Simon's got no reason to be voted out anytime soon, does he? Apart from him being a physical threat, I don't, I don't see him being a threat to win the game because he hasn't really done enough. Whereas, yeah, the, I think there's so many other game threats like Janine, Pia, Luke, um, and Harry that... Has Abby done enough even? No. You could probably say she's probably done that. Maybe, but... Abby could pull um, Christy, though, and just cry away to the yeah. end. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Christy. Harsh. harsh but fair. Um, yeah, I yeah, I can't see Abby winning. I can't see... I can sort of see Baden being a final three or even final two and not winning. But, uh, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not really sold on those guys, but yeah. Luke, Luke is the other this. one, I think. Luke can win it. I will put him in yeah. the conversation. Yeah, but they're not going to let him get to the end, surely. Well, I think his, his name's been touted enough too much now, isn't it, in terms of this being a threat, so... And the whole, we can get Luke out any time. Like, I, I, I'm just going to be very fascinated, because it's been a long bloody time since we've had a good old-fashioned begonging. So, um, as much as I like Daisy, as much as I like Harry, and I don't mind Baden as well. Like, I, I like the the original contenders that are left. Um, but part of me really would like to see those three go next, just so we have this champion. Because it's just, it's been so long. Like, I don't think, even in the US one, when was the last time we had a, a good old-fashioned pagonging? Um, I don't know. I mean, you could technically say last season we, you know, Brian, Sean, and Shane were three champions. But I mean, you know, I'm I'm talking like a final five or a final six where it's purely the original tribe that they were on. Uh, Australian Survivor, obviously, season one. But I mean, that was back in the day where Pagongings were, you know, common fodder. Um, yep. You know, it's kind of like the, the part of the idols and the tribe swaps and all that was to basically get rid of a Pagonging. But you know, I'm a traditionalist cable. I don't mind a Pagonging every now and then because I think it makes things juicy right at the very end as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it comes back to what John was arguing about it at uh, Tribal with Janine and kind of saying, oh, you guys have to make me. I was like, well, no, they don't. Like, it's boring television if the five stick strong and just vote the, pick the contenders off. But 
it's their prerogative. If that's the way they want to play, and that's the way they agreed from the start, and it's got them to the final five, then they've kind of done what, or they've achieved what they wanted. They set out to do. So, um, I understand flipping, but then again, that's again on the people that are potentially think they're at the bottom. But I don't know. I think you flip and then you give the contenders a sniff, then you, you run the risk of, of getting bent over, pretty much. Yeah. No, I agree. Just quickly, uh, One World might be the last time we had one, because obviously we had uh, five yeah, was pretty... of the women. But I'm just looking here. David Goliath, I mean, Nick was a David, but we had four other Goliaths there at the final five. So, eh, kind of. Um, but scrolling through the last uh, few seasons, uh, I'm going to go with One World again. Uh, Beloved favourite of mine. Top three season to me. Very unpopular opinion, that. But I don't give a shit. I have unpopular opinions all the time. Um, I go Very for unpopular opinions. I, I, I'm yeah. used to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with One World here, because I'm just scrolling through here. I'm going to Kagayan. Definitely doesn't. Blood, oh, Blood vs. Water, Final Four. We're all uh, galang, galang, whatever you said that. So, you know, but that wasn't really an alliance of that. Like, I mean, Jervis, Monica, and Tyson, yes, but... Uh, yeah, um, so anyway, uh, so who, who's your winner pick right now, Cable? Like right now, if you're forcing your hand, who's your, who's your winner? Oh, jeez. Um, it's probably a bit of bias. I, look, I don't think he would win. I think they'll get rid of him, but I want to see Luke win. Yeah, I think Luke would be a good fairy tale. Like, I mean, you know, the people's champion, as he keeps calling himself and everything. But, um, you know, I think kind of Luke, Luke has got... That David arrogance, but but Luke does it in a fun way, like sort of when he comes back to the beach and like you didn't think you were going to eliminate me. That is, people just laugh along with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just has that element of of having people like him while he does that. Whereas obviously David didn't. So um, yeah, like I I I I would like to see Luke win, but I, I I'm on the Pia train. I I, I just. Something about her, I think, kind of just something about what she's doing and the edit she's getting at the moment too. And um, yeah, there's, oh, there's definitely been a few people that are you know really watching the edit that are, you know, even as far back as probably two weeks ago had started talking up Pia and why they thought she might win. And these are the the points, and they yeah, a lot of those people make valid points. I mean, but I think still the uh, we've talked about the edit enough. But I mean, I think again. The Australian edit's a little bit different, again, from the US, so it's very hard to necessarily predict who's going to win just off an edit, I, I would say, with the Australian show. I agree. Now, I'm going to go through some of the... Now, I would say all these listener questions are obviously directed at Tara, so um, I'm not going to go through... Some of these we will save. Tara, we're not cancelling Tara out completely, just scheduling uh, change at the last moment, so sadly we couldn't get Tara on. We're hoping that will be next week or the week after. So all these How questions... much of a disappointment am I going to be for so many people? <laughs> Tara sounds differently. Um, I I will save the majority of these questions for Tara, uh, but I'll, I'll ask some of these ones where we can. Uh, Rosie, Is it the car or all? Is it the car? Yes, exactly. Um because I did see people, oh, is this, is this going to be classified as a car curse and blah, 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 whatever. I, I think it is, because that's always a way. Um, Rosie Clarkson says, are Pierre and Luke in the box seat to win? Uh, we kind of just answered that, didn't we? Um, yeah. I think they're def- Well, oh, if you went on the popular, like, 
popular, people want to give him the money, whatever. Yeah, Luke and Peter would have to be up there. Um, let's yeah. see here. Uh, Zelda asks, my question is, Ben and Tara, we'll substitute that for you, um, do you think you would do well in that planking challenge? <laughs> no. Yeah, same. Uh, I hate planking. Like, I go to the gym a few times a week, and part of my routine is I have to do two 30-second planks. I nearly die in every single one of them. So. Oh, okay. I So, back when I was probably playing footy, in a, well, actually probably significantly, significantly fitter than I am now, I would be doing, you know, like, like you in the gym, doing part of the routine would be doing several planks. And trying to do like, or doing several planks for a minute and a half. Wow. In a couple of sets. Um, so you sort of do that, um, no big issue. But one of my old coaches, part of our preseason training, he was very big on the planks. Like, you know, you do your running, do this, you do, do your sprints, this and that, and then you go down and do a plank um, and hold it for as long as you can. And there's some guys that used to be able to hold it for so long. Um, but yeah, I was, oh, what was the longest I've probably held it for? I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe five minutes. That's oh, probably Jesus. about as that's probably about as much as I would do. I got to say um, the 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 thought process behind these challenges, like they're just planking. Like they make it fancier because they go over water. Like are we just gonna have the beep test next season? Like they may as well. <laughs> well, the, I think they've they have done this before, but it was different. It might have been over the sand. Last time was some sort of yeah maybe I I feel like I remember Henry doing it so it must have been mm. season four they did it and it might have been over sand maybe um, but yes so um, look but let's be honest they they've got to sort of try and not cut corners but try and be smart with their money they can't have every challenge be over the top and ridiculous and I guess they can't jump off that big. That, they the used it enough, don't they? The, the Tower of Terror. Well, that's you, why they recycle it so often. You know, um, what's, you know what's funny is, you, is I think back to um, to Season 1, Channel 9, and, you know, there were some rubbish challenges. I mean, they literally had a challenge where they had to guess how much water was in a cup, how much something weighed. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I always want to see that return because, I mean, we've had penalty shootouts planking uh, remember that challenge in season one where they had to drive a car blindfolded and the winner got to yeah. keep the car i mean yeah. come on like it's lame but it's kind of like it's uniquely sweet um <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of my favorite moments from that whole season was when they were standing on like i think they were like on the pontoon things in the middle of the water kind of like straying out back where they just stood on the pole in the water for as long as they could and then Lincoln like was driving that little boat with chips. Yeah, and everything. The, yeah, yeah. And then the who was it? Like, was it Rob stole the whole boat and bloody Lincoln's like, give me my bloody boat back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some uh, oh. stuff that was cringeworthy back then. But oh. having said that, I mean, I think if you look at some of the challenges from the first couple of American seasons, you could go, oh, geez, that's a bit lame. 
Yeah, I still say bring back Tangrams from uh, Thailand, personal favourite of mine. Um, now, we've got a couple of questions here actually related. We, we've talked a lot about off-air and a lot of speculation going on right now about uh, All-Stars, Australian Survivor All-Stars. So, uh, Rex has said, are you excited for Australian Survivor All-Stars filming right now? They have 96 players from the Channel 10 era to choose from, even though I think if they held up to 2021, they'd have six seasons to pick from, not four. Now, a lot of conversation, Cable. Are you excited for it? No. <laughs> um, no, so, bingo. So is that, that was conf- is that confirmed they're actually filming it right now? I think that is what is the speculation. That is why all these lists are leaking right now. People are analysing uh, Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But uh, it is the speculation that I believe All Stars is filming right now. Hmm. Radio, Um I did put out a tweet, more so because I thought the list was bullshit, to be honest, because there was a few names on there. I'm like, no way they're coming back for whatever reason or just out of sheer logic. Um, they wouldn't be invited back, <laughs> no offence. But I did say that I'm, I'm done. I, it would be jumping the shark for me and, and I'm, I just wouldn't be interested. I just... I think there's definitely some people on the list I think deserve to come back or at least a game is enough that I think they'd be great to see back. But there's a lot of people on that list that just scream. It just screams desperation to me. And, and like I said, jump the shark. It's just, it's not enough. It's not, I just don't think there's enough seasons to justify it. Um, I think, I think um, we will do an episode on this, I think, after this season. because yeah. um, and, and another reason, too, which I think kind of a couple of these questions here as well, um, the speculation, I think that they're filming it right now because uh, David did no exit interviews. Um, the, the one that I read basically uh, was an interview with Andy, and then the only quotes I used from David was his pre-game uh, interview. So, um, you know, there's rumours are that he's out there filming right now, hence why I did no post-interviews. Uh, but I think kind of my biggest thing, and you, I've spurted this from the rooftop to you beforehand and everybody else who will listen to me, it's not true All-Stars if you don't include Channel 9 Season 1 and Channel 7 Season 2 because there's at least, you know, two to three players from those that should come back and play. Um, I also agree with you. I don't think, like, if you're only se- separating this to the Channel 10 version, We've only had four seasons. Like, US Survivor waited until season eight. Yeah, okay, there's more players, you know, eight players extra per season. But you still had 112 players to choose from from US Survivor versus 96. Yeah, okay, that's only a difference of, like, what, 16. It's not that big of a difference. But, you know, if if the rumours are true next year that they're doing two seasons so that they're probably filming All-Stars now and then they'll do season, uh, what would that be, up to eight uh, filming sort of when they usually film it currently. Why not do season seven now and then make season eight all stars? Because then you've got six, five to choose from, which makes it around that 112 mark that I just sort of mentioned. So I think, look, I'm with you. Some of the names on these rumored lists are just beyond awful and just beyond ridiculous that they're not there. Um, that they're on there, sorry. There are some that aren't on there that are beyond ridiculous why they're not on there. Um, before people start, you know, thinking about things uh, as to why Tara didn't appear on this show, um, 
She's. I'm talking to her. She's so out she, there. She's out there. <laughs> stuff it. Yeah, spoiler. She's out there. No, she's not really. Uh, which that is a, in itself an absolute bullshit shame. Tara should be on that season if they're doing an All Stars season. So, I I will just be the one who will be the angry Ben mode until this season is over with. That Katie from season one, David Oldfield, you know, Sconia or Sonia, whatever her name is, aren't on there. You know, they should be on there. So, yeah. Anyway, we've got about three other questions related to this, but I think we just covered. We're going to do an episode, folks. Um, it will kind of, I reckon, be around the list, and yeah. we might let's, even do a, get, a draft episode where you and I. Let's sort forget of, about bring back Billy. Let's bring back Katie Gold. Hashtag bring back Katie Gold. We will. You mention it to me, Cable, that we will start posters. We will. We will just spread it right across the country. You know, uh, hashtag bring back Katie Gold because. That woman is a is a goddess. I hate using that the word because that's ultimate, the, the ultimate villain. The ah, oh, like you have a person wanting to kill other contestants. <laughs> like you and can't. Another person that. And another <laughs> person did do that. How about we get? How about we get him on the show? <laughs> like, is he out of jail yet? <laughs> Which uh, actually, mate, I actually thought of him the other day when they, they love showing. Uh, Harry sharpening the knife. They love showing that. And I was actually thinking about it. I was like, oh, just imagine Joel just well, sharpening the machine. It is one of the most cr- like one of the most cringeworthy moments in Survivor history when you actually watch season one and there's that whole like five to ten minute montage of contestants saying, hmm, I'm a bit freaked out by Joel. I just don't know if he's mentally okay. And then they just show him sharpening things like that. When you know that he went on to basically murder a woman she survived um that's like mm. yeah that'll be like if there's any mike scoop and confessionals about him talking about children probably a little bit um awkward <laughs> now um awkward. don't know about that um i so many of these we got a, i thank you everyone for all your questions but uh these are legitimately for tara um so um yeah I don't think we can really answer those. Anything else you want to add, Cable, really, uh, on where we are right now, uh, Australian Survivor? Anything else on your mind? How, how's, uh, how's the no, wife? I'm how's just, the kids? I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> um, no, just excited to uh, see how the season plays out. It's, are, you, the, are you more excited for the remainder of this season or how Collingwood's going to do in the finals? Well, there's that too, yeah. yeah. And then how I how are you feeling about Collingwood? I just legitimate question. I'm not taking the piss. I just I want you to answer the question legitimately. Um, I'm very very happy that Hawthorne did us a big favour. <laughs> the one time you're happy that Hawthorne did something right. Yes. And and uh, are the Storm going to go one better this year? I hope so. On, on historical sort of precedence, they should. Um, but who knows? Are you going to go up to the grand final? Should they make it? Oh, I'd love to. It's a week <laughs> later, isn't it? Like the, it's, this year, it's yeah, on the same yeah. weekend. October, October fifth. Yeah, I'm a bit sad about that. I like the double weekend. Oh, sorry, o- uh, October six. October six. I should October say. Six. For those listening and no idea what we're talking about, sports related. Um, I'm I'm on the Lions bandwagon. By the way, just got to put it out there. So lions, dogs, cats, and tigers. They're my four that I want to go well. You, you, Collingwood would be six for me. Sorry. As long as it's not Essendon <laughs> or West Coast. I, I'd rather you win it than Essendon or West Coast. So, you know, 
there's that. Cable, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being the Billy Garcia of uh, Australian Survivor. You're always available. Oh, oh, when, when so, we need. That's a compliment. That's not an insult. So I'm going to be the person, person everyone wants to throw a challenge to get rid of. <laughs> hey, if you were as famous and cool as Billy Garcia, you'd be a happy man. Come on. Do you have a Billy Garcia coin? I have a Billy Garcia coin. I have a Billy Garcia shirt. I am hashtag Team Billy all the way. And hashtag Bring Back Billy. Right? I'm I, keep sa- I keep saying to him I'm going to get one of those coins. but I, I will say, from the, like, in all seriousness, um, I, get, Billy gave me a coin because I basically I had ordered some Raptors merchandise and the website I went through wouldn't ship outside of America. So I got them shipped to Billy... And then I paid Billy to post it to me here in New Zealand. And when I got my package, he had included one of his coins. So, um, yeah. Forever grateful that that man exists. What a legend. Hashtag bring back Billy. All right? I I would rather see Billy Garcia on that all-winner season than Sophie. I know he didn't win, but he won in the fans' hearts. Cable, that's all that matters, right? Yes, he did. He did. Anyway, Cable... Thank you. One, actually, one thing I'll say that I realise we have not done all season, the Oz Network, we buy Brent and Bin episodes. We haven't done that with any of our episodes this season. My bad. Next season, we'll bring that back. Cable, thank you for joining us. You don't care. You just want to go to bed. So thank you for tuning in. Joining yes. us. <laughs> and as that ended slightly weird, I big thanks to Cable for coming on the show. And a big thanks to you to staying through this and listening. Uh, our thoughts on where Australian Survivor is at currently right now as we move forward closer and closer to the pointy end. As always, we'd love to hear what you think about the show. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up on social media. Give us an inkling as to how you think this season is going to play out. And as always, stay tuned to who we've got coming up on the show and uh, everything else in between for our Australian Survivor coverage in the remaining few weeks of the season. We're also expecting the official cast to drop any day now of uh, Survivor Season 39, the US version, Island of the Idols. And when that comes about, we will uh, strive to do a preview episode of that season at some point as well as we look to covering that season once again for the first time in a while that we've done a full coverage of a Survivor season. So get excited for that. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels out there. And we appreciate your support of the Oz Network. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.